before you listen to the podcast, please download the Anchor app to best enjoy the podcast. You can listen to it outside of the Anchor app, but to truly enjoy it, you will need to listen to it in the Anchor app. If you don't, uh, you won't be able to hear all the music and truly get the essence of the podcast. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Lessons I Learned from Drinking. Uh, we are recording live from the Napoleon House in New Orleans. I'm going to be joined by a couple friends over some uh, cocktails. And uh, we really don't have a plan of what we're going to talk about, but we'll see where the conversation goes. Of course, we'll talk a little bit about the book. Um, and then, you know, throughout the next couple of days while I'm here in New Orleans, there'll be other conversations that will take place at different places. But uh, this is my first time at the Napoleon House. Uh, as many times I've, as I've been to New Orleans, I've never been here. So I'm excited. Uh, I ordered a Planter's Punch, which is a rum-based drink. And then uh, we'll see where it goes. So uh, first we'll get into a little music. Never know what I'm going to start the show with, but it'll be a good song. And we'll come back. And we'll get into uh, wherever the show takes us. Okay, so I'm joined uh, by a couple friends here at the Napoleon House. Um, they don't want their names to be disclosed, so we won't talk about who they are. But, uh, you know, they're very close. And so we were talking about, like, what should we talk about? And, you know, uh, one, of, one of my friends talked about how people go about toasting based upon the various cultures uh, that they come from. And, you know, I've always been accustomed to just saying cheers. Um, but, you know, different people do different things. So um, you want to chime in? or They're going back and forth. Nobody wants to know who's <laughs> talking first. Like, you know, I'm Howard Stern and everybody's going to know who they are. They, they don't know only about right now 15 people listen to that. I love all 15 of you all. So y'all get in here. Don't be shy. Let's get it started. I was just saying how I think it's really interesting when you go when you travel, like we're in New Orleans, and people have different customs. So what's your name again? It's not important. <laughs> but some people say cheers, some people say chin chin. There's some that say you have to look someone in the eye when you when you toast. I've heard that one. No, I've heard that you gotta look people in the eye or there are consequences. I mean, the consequences could vary. Yeah. You can't drink water and toast because that's bad luck. Interesting. So there's a lot of myths that are out there. And so for you, when you are with a group of friends or in a celebratory place, what would you? What's your kind of go-to? Well, it depends on what the other person does. So usually, if I'm with someone and they say cheers, I'll say chin chin. I'll say something different. So for me, I like to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I usually don't say the same. I don't respond with the same. So if we were all hanging out and I picked up my glass and I said cheers, everyone, you would say. Well, if it was like a big group one, I would I would just cheer. No, three of us. Cheers. Yeah. What would you I say? I said chin chin. Chin chin. Chin chin. What does chin chin mean? I learned about it when I was in Italy that that was just something they said and it was something So the glasses probably like I don't know I think there was something like it was representative of like cheersing to your health and your wealth and your happiness but then I also heard it was about you had to like engage the five senses like look at someone you're tasting your drink you listen to the sounds around you smell I guess what you're drinking but no matter the language I think the the celebratory chin chin of the glass is a customary thing no matter the language I mean when I, when I was in Europe people would cheers and they say it in different languages but it's all about 
connecting the glasses for some reason. I don't know where that started. And what about you? What would you know? What would you usually do? Um, you're with a group of people. I, obviously, you're. Yeah. What would you do? I'll ask that. I think uh, whenever you're uh, with friends and you're celebrating, I think it's important to raise your glass and cheers, just as a moment of celebration. Some people forget to do it sometimes. I think it's good to do. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I mean, no, you come up and people they're going to start drinking. Like, whoa, whoa, let's cheers. Yeah, because you take nothing for granted. To celebrate, you know, it's so kind of, it's kind of a tradition. So, I mean. The three of us get together. We try and often, but it's not as often as we like because life happens. Yeah, like you once know. every couple of days. Yeah. We don't get together <laughs> once every couple of days. You know, that doesn't happen. Some so more than others. Probably, probably once a quarter if we're lucky. So it should be something to celebrate. And there's a lot to celebrate. You know, in the last year, you know, people have a lot of great things happen in their life. And so when we get together, got to enjoy it, right? Celebrate it. All right, cheers. Cheers. Chin chin. Salute. Anything else we want to put on the record? That's everything. All right. So, um, y'all haven't listened to podcasts, but music is a big part of it. So, somebody has to let me know a song that we're going to go into before we get into the next segment. Would you cheers, by the way? I've heard you say a statement before. It says, none with friends. Have you said that before? None with friends or something? No new friends? No new friends. No new friends. No new friends. What does that mean? It means that I tend to, you know, gravitate towards people that I'm very close with and known for a very, very long time. And so it takes, you know, while I'm always meeting new people, I always go back to those people that I started with and known, known for a long time. So, you know, if I think about... It's like the we, essence of the group. Or the yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah group. the essence or core of the yeah. group. So if, you know, you put me down and said, how many real friends do you have? I say the number's probably 10. Uh, you know, and then, yeah, do I know a lot of people? I know a lot more than 10 people, but usually everything comes back to those 10 people. I see. None with friends. No new friends. No, no new, new friends. friends. Oh, All right, so, so, so does anybody got a song? Well, I think it should be something celebratory. All right. So. It's going to be a transition song to the next podcast? Or? It's just a song. Yes, it's going to be a transition. Maybe it'd be a good New Orleans song if there's one. Ooh, a French-inspired. Yeah. All right, so we'll see what we come up with. I haven't received much direction, but... No new friends. Uh, no, we, you know, they've heard no new friends before. You know, got to mix it up. So while we were away at uh, break, we were talking about uh, no new friends. And so, like, what what does it mean? Can we just no, agree no, no, on something no, no. before we get started? Can yes, just, yes. I mean, this is a podcast, correct? It is a podcast. And there are humans, correct? Yes. So we might make mistakes. Absolutely. So it's okay if we make mistakes. It, 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 absolutely. I mean, I mean it, it makes it it makes it real. Not everything is perfect, as I point to myself. Absolutely, know? absolutely. Who we don't know who you are. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, no new friends really, for me, comes down to uh, trust, comes down to understanding comes down to you having a desire to be around that person and there has to be a certain amount of history would you say that how do you define who your friend like that would you just go have a drink with anybody or did it have to be like part of the no new friends crowd no i have a drink with anybody you will yeah but i mean that doesn't make them a friend that's i mean we, that's something we'll read about in the book uh, yeah you'll absolutely read about kind of you know who you choose to spend time around and then also know who your friends are because your friends will always have your best interests, even if it does not benefit them. And just because I know that you're someone who doesn't like to brag, at least in front of great company, what's the name of the book? Uh, Lessons I Learned From Drinking. Where can we get the book? You can get the book on LessonsILearnedFromDrinking.com. 
or you can get it on Amazon, wherever you want to find it. But if you buy it through my site, you'll get an autographed copy. If you buy it through Amazon, you'll get it, you know, if you're prime in an hour, <laughs> but it won't have an autograph. So you were talking about going out to drinks with friends. Obviously, this is a close knit here. Um, but you'll go out to drink with, have a drink with anybody. I mean, not just a complete stranger. Well, no, of course. But Contact like if, if somebody said, hey, let's go have a drink and I know the person, absolutely I'll go so have a drink. what does it take to get from that level of uh, we're cool and we, I can be candid with you and there's trust to or just surface level conversation? And that question goes to the whole table. I, I, I would say time and experience. Doctor? Well, there's always a risk when you're trying to make a new friend of like crossing that first boundary of who's going to make the first move. Similar to dating, of like, oh, do you want to go hang? Do you want to have a drink? Do you want to meet up for dinner? So being vulnerable in the conversation. It is, perhaps. and I think that's part of the new new friends. You know, they're gonna. It's not as much effort. I mean, it's effort to maintain your friendship, but it's you're you're past that awkward stage of like, oh, are we gonna be friends? Are we gonna hang out? Like, we have to text each other to figure this out. I think in all relationships where you, I have a deeper conversation with someone, a deeper level of connection with somebody, at the friendship level, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's always been a moment where one of us had to disclose something that was a little bit more than surface level. Oh, I did this one time, or oh, we went through an experience together, and it changed things for for me and that individual, however it might be. So, if you were to define this, no new friends, what does it take for you? For I mean, no, do, you, do you have a circle like that, or is, is everybody your friend? No, I don't have I don't have a huge circle of friends. I have a huge circle of acquaintances. My friends that I can pick up the phone and call is probably less than 10 people that I trust with all that information that aren't going to judge me. You can call and say, listen, I got this problem. I want to talk to you about it. And they'll give them an honest answer and won't pass judgment. I think that's the important piece. You can be vulnerable, be honest, be transparent, and also have a good time. Well, you know, I think it's interesting. No new friends. I think a lot of people think, oh, they're just people you've known for a long time. But I did hear a quote recently that has truly resonated with me. And it's, let's say you've been friends with someone for eight years. So is the question, have you been their friend for eight years or were you friends eight years ago? Ah, wow. So if you knew them eight years ago and you just reconnected with them, that might be different. Or I think it was more like a long-term friendship. I mean, that's a long time, but friends, like, you've known since elementary school. Have you been friends since elementary school or were they your friend in elementary school? But there are, I mean, having said that, there are friends that I have that I don't connect with. I talk to them every six months. Oh, yeah. Once a year. And when we, and we'll, we'll talk, or as Tim would say, we'll chop it up, you know. Or as Jess would say, chin-chin. No, no. Uh, we... <laughs> Um, and um, it made me lose my train of thought. Thank you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but something else we were talking about. We were talking about like the I remember, older, I remember now. The older the older you get, after eight years, you talk to me and you pick up like nothing. Where you left off? Yeah, and it's like you are able to talk about anything and it's no big deal. But I would say that there has been some active right, Kenny? communication. Uh, throughout the that whole period of time, so when I refer to no new friends, it's like people that yeah, you, you lose time. Like you know, one of my closest friends, we didn't talk for two years, but that's just because life took over. But then when we connected, it's like we never left. So it all go it all goes back to me for trust. Do I trust this person? So what happens if you meet someone that you know that you've known for years? And you've known them maybe eight years, ten years. You've known them. And you can tell that they want to be in that circle of uh, no new friends. And they try. They're always like, hey, let's hang out, let's do stuff. But they just can't get in the circle. What advice would you give those people? Well, I, I think it's one of those type of things where, like, 
you don't ask. Like, you don't come up and ask, can I, can I be your friend? I mean, it's like one of those type of things that it just has to happen. So their approach is perhaps a little off there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if, they have to, if they've been your acquaintance or colleague for, to me, for a number of years and they can't broach that, then maybe you just don't want to become that close with them. You, you, you'd rather just be a colleague, an acquaintance or something like that. It's interesting though, because I do feel like there are points, there are natural points in your life where new friendships are more likely to occur. So when you go to school, when you go to college, when you start a new job, but then it's like when you have kids, you become parent friends, when you move into a new neighborhood. But if you don't have those like situations, it may not happen. It might not. And and does there come a point when you're not looking for new friends? Exactly. Well, there is no new friends. There you go. Uh, so that we'll go into the song, No New Friends. There's a song called. All right, so talk about friendships. Now, I think a part of friendship we establish is trust. But let's talk about traveling with friends. Like, what does what does it take to travel with friends? Because me personally. Of the 10 people that I say are the no new friends, I would not want to travel with all of them because they have different characteristics. I mean, some people like structure and be like, oh, we're going to do this, 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 this. Well, I don't travel like that. It's interesting you say that because you and I took a trip one time to Chicago land, and I remember, and I'm very structured, and you are loose as a goose. And I remember towards the end of the trip, you said, you know what? I had a good time. I could travel with you anytime. Why was that? I don't have the answer. Well, I mean, I, I would say it's because we understood one another. Because at one point in time, I said, hey, I'm going to go off and do my thing. And you said, you know what? I'm going to just chill. <laughs> and we both understood that. Like, there's some people who travel who think you need to be together. So at the like, oh, no, it's it. let's just hang out some more. I'm like, I, I like, no, I'm good. I just need a little <laughs> space. Because the older I get, the more I find I'm kind of an introvert. Like, there's just, I enjoy being engaged, being out. But then I just need a little bit of me time. I think that's the middle. That's the ambivert. Or there's like a term for it. It's like in the middle where you're a little bit of both. Yeah. So it's important that they know you then, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. If, they, I had, they, if, I had, if I had said, Tim, oh, please just hang out. Let's just go do something. You would have had to explain that you wanted some free time. Then we would have had a conversation about it. It ruins the mood. But then had we not been real friends, I would have felt awkward. Because since we're new friends, I could say, no, I do not <laughs> want to spend time with you. I need to go out and do my own thing. So... They, Oh, Go, please. Interesting, because all of us have traveled together in different iterations. You guys have traveled, we've traveled, we, the two of us have traveled. Have we traveled? Yeah, but in like a bigger setting. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. And I think there's a, definitely a travel crew, like especially if you're doing group trips. There are certain people that are part of those group trips and they're certain they're not, for the reason you said. But I also think that's where people can become really good new friends. When you travel together, but what? If, but you have to give that person an opportunity to travel with them. But you have to know them well enough to know if that's even going to be a good so you, match. You're, it's kind of a catch twenty two because you're saying you have, you have to be comfortable traveling with them. But sometimes you say that's how you become really good friends. So, but but I think what happens is there has to be there's a moment where you have that there has to be somebody. Uh huh. There has to be like to connect. So if you said, hey, no I, I, I want this person to travel, I say okay. If you're going to vouch for this person, I'll bring this person in. But if the person sucks to travel, I'll be like, hey, man, don't do that again. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean. They ate all the cheeses and they didn't pay it back. Exactly, exactly. Or, or they didn't pay any money. They were a freeloader. And that, that's, that, those are the worst people to travel with. I think you can tell a lot 
by traveling with someone in the airport, whether you're dating them, whether you're friends with them. Now, if you're friends with them and you guys don't have the same travel patterns, y'all can still be friends. But if you're dating someone or marrying someone or you're in a relationship with someone and y'all want to travel, I actually think it was Bill Murray who said, travel before you get married or commit to someone. Travel. Travel super far away. And if you guys can survive the trip, then you guys can I've be together. I've heard that before. I, I think agree. it was Bill Murray. Because once you've been with someone on a trip for like a week or two weeks, you really get to see all their colors. <laughs> and I would say you don't even have to do that. Like if you, anybody who's dating, trying to figure it out, T- take t- take at least a four hour road trip, and you will find out. Than, yeah. You will find out everything you need to know in that four hour road trip. Can y'all hold a conversation? Will the person stay up? Will they just go to sleep? Musical taste. The cleanliness. Cleanliness. Will they just put their toes on their window? Hey now, hey now. That's disgusting. But here's the thing: if you know, I'm clean tonight. <laughs> if you know that person and they want to do those things, then it becomes okay all of a sudden. But this is on the early stages. This is like if you're like on the early stages. So you once tra- you've made the no new friends category, you're saying you can do those things because it's already understood. More than likely the friends well, wouldn't do that. You're more willing to accept it. <laughs> yes. You're more willing yeah. to put up with it. Or no, not to travel Now, with isn't them. that interesting? Because if you did it on the, at the beginning, you'd be like, no, nah, I'm not cool with that. I'm not into the group. It's like dating. You can't but reveal it, it too But if you do on. it later and you're already in the circle, people will give you a, they'll give you an inch. Yeah, but if you, I mean, it takes a lot to get in the circle. You know, it's it's almost like uh, you know to get a Chick Fil A franchise. Like you know, I mean, you got a, you got a better chance doing a lot of other things than that. I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but yeah, there. You know, I you know I enjoy road trips and I enjoy traveling. And but also because as we're talking, there's so much limited time that you have. The time you have, you want to enjoy it. You want to be around people that you can enjoy yourself with. So, some of those 10 people that are in your No New Friends group, you said that uh, you wouldn't travel with them. Yes. Why, why is that? Because some of them just got bad habits that I want to be around like that. They're, they're good people, but they have just very bad habits. Give me one example of a bad habit. I mean, me, me personally, uh, I don't like people who talk a whole lot. So, like, there's like... I talk real, all the time. You do. But I can also tell you shut the hell up. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, but there, there are some people who are like just good people. They're friends, but they're overly sensitive and they don't want to talk and they want to spend a whole lot of time. And you're just like, you know, I love you. I care for you. I just care not to travel with you because I have two days in New Orleans and I want to enjoy those two days. Or there are other people who are very, you know, need structure. Like, hey, let's get up at seven and do this and then let's go do this. And I. I might want to take a nap in the middle of the day. So, I mean, there's that. What about you, doctor? Any thoughts? Yeah, traveling is interesting with people. You gotta, get, you won't know until you're in it, and then you're committed to it. But are there friends, people you've known in your circle that you've never traveled with, and then you traveled with them all of a sudden, and you're like, not doing that again for whatever reason? And perhaps vaguely, what were some of those reasons? Uh, I got to think about that. Do you have any rules to travel or you just travel with anybody? I think we have to have good chemistry. I think similar to what the doctor said earlier, it just, there has to be a connection of some sort, trust, friendship, uh, general interest. Trust is a big one for me. Because I like to get down in the weeds. I'll tell you everything. I don't mind. I'm nothing to hide. But if I can't trust you, then we, it's not going to happen. So when was, last, when was the last time you took a road trip? In a car, like, let's just ride. 
The last one was by myself because I was driving somewhere by myself. All right, so in the car, did you listen to music? Did you listen to podcasts? I think did I can you... answer that question. What time of the What time of the day was it? It was early afternoon. So if it had been in the morning, she would have started off with a little local radio. Okay. Perhaps a radio show. All right. In the afternoon, it's definitely going to be some podcasts. I don't uh, listen to podcasts. Maybe, well, no, it's like, it's like Aziz Ansari audiobooks and stuff like that. Those are, those are the old days. If, it's, if there are people I know who are not working when I'm driving, I prefer to catch up with them on the phone during that time. Uh, but sometimes you hit areas with no cell service. Then you just got to... I just roll with what I got, which is myself. <laughs> but... <laughs> Alright, so we're going to get another song and we'll continue the conversation from the Napoleon House in New Orleans. So we're going to get the bill and we're going to move on to another place. But um, before we go, I, I, have to talk, I have to talk about the book. And y'all haven't read it. Y'all just know the title. What's the title? Lessons I Learned From Drinking. Uh, Absolutely. And it could be drinking anything. Uh, it could be coffee, soda, water. It doesn't not necessarily have to be alcohol. So just kind of thinking about the title, uh, or, or just, just tell me this, what, what is your favorite drink, sir? Uh, it's evolved over the years. Uh, I think in college it was some kind of bourbon and, uh, and uh, I don't know, a soda of some sort. Sometimes it's beer, sometimes it's like light, like a vodka. Right now it's an old-fashioned. Old-fashioned, huh? Yeah. Bullet okay. bourbon. Oh, you specific with the bourbon, huh? Right. Yep. Okay. Kind of bitters. I'm indifferent. Okay. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons I like to get that drink, first of all, I enjoy the taste. But second of all, when you say old-fashioned and then you say bullet bourbon, people go, oh, he knows what he likes, and he's very specific about it. He's not just getting a little Jack and Coke or whatever. Yeah. So it's a two-stage process for me. I got you. A little show, you. a little pleasure. All right. For being honest. Absolutely. My answer is much more complicated. Hey, go for it. It depends on, it's totally situational. I have a few go-tos depending on the event, the time of day. The crowd. The crowd. The, you know, a lot of different situations. But I probably have two or three go-tos. Um, what are those? They might be given out a later podcast. Uh, you know, give us one of them. But, one of them. no, I want to say something... So you said any lessons learned from any type of drink, coffee. And I was thinking about this, and I used to have like a morning ritual, like on certain days of the week I would go out to get coffee. Usually there were Fridays. And I did feel like those were moments of reflection for me, like for the week. Like, okay, what happened this week? Like, what's going on? I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and just, you know, once you give the book, if you see the book, you see there's some glasses on the front. But, you know, one of the things I really want people to know that it's just not about alcohol like once you read it they talk about friendships just like have we you know have we talked about on this podcast traveling and lots of other things but i think there's lessons that we can learn from everything so that ritual that time you know the evolution to say oh you know giving a drink is more than just getting a drink there's something to be said about the type of drink you get these are these are all kind of lessons we learn but uh from drinking, from drinking. whatever you want to drink um but this has been fun for the napoleon house um we will continue uh, to have segments with different people uh, from New Orleans. I have no idea how long this podcast will be, uh, but so far, so good. So um, we'll go into another song, and we'll check in a little bit. I didn't mention. You just made me think of something else that would be a good podcast topic. So there are, um, there are certain hotels. I'm thinking of one that's a very luxurious hotel. 
that has a signature drink, and every hotel that they have in the world has a spin on that drink. So that drink is a Bloody Mary for this hotel. And this hotel in Atlanta has the Atlanta version of the Bloody Mary. And then in New York, they have the New York version. And it's really cool because it's the signature drink of this hotel, but everywhere it has their own spin on it with like local ingredients. So it's all Bloody Mary's, but it's- For that hotel brand, yeah. But in every city, it's a little different. Yeah. So, so in Phoenix, it could have like cacti in it. In Atlanta, it could have like fried chicken bits or something. Or yes. Whatever. Or I had one that had like spices in it or aloe in it and different things. What hotel brand is this? You know, a good one. But... Wow. <laughs> oh, we're listening. Oh, I'm sorry. We're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, called Overtime. Oh, it's, called, it's called Overtime. My but thought. it was just a second thought. It was like when you were saying different drinks and what, what it represents. Like it represented the cultures of these places, but it was still the same drink everywhere. And, and, and final thing, so we're in New Orleans. This is one of my favorite cities to visit. What would be some of y'all's favorite places to visit? You know, I love going to LaGuardia. You ever been there? In I New have York? been. I have been. I have yeah. been. Yeah. What airport is that? In? What city is it? Is it in New York? How would you pronounce it? I'd say LaGuardia. LaGuardia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I travel for work. Uh, not as much as you, but um, it depends on my mood. You know, so uh, kind of like hamburgers. Right? So I like the coast. I like the water. Okay. Something warm. All right, that's nice and vague. Yeah. I got you. Do you have anything more specific? Oh, like top spots? Yeah. Like right now, if money was an object, someplace you've been before, uh, where would you go? Money was an object. Money was an object, and it was a new place, Greece. I would really oh, love yeah. to go to Greece. All right. I, I think can, I could get down with that. All right. I'd go to Southern Italy. I would say Italy is a place you can always go back to, and I feel like there's always a new place you can go yeah. to. But if we're talking East Coast or Southeast, there's, yeah. some, there's some gems. I'd go down to Southern California. Why not? Alright. Alright, this time we're really signing off. Alright. Alright, so we're continuing our um, tour of New Orleans. We are at the Roosevelt Hotel at the Sazerac Bar um, with a couple friends. And uh, the task at hand is trying to figure out what we are going to eat for the evening. And if you've ever been in New Orleans, you know there are more than enough places to eat. But, you know, there are you have to find out what you want. Some people like seafood, some people don't. Allergies, all sorts of stuff. So uh, we have four people, so it's not that e- easy of a challenge. So I'm asking what are some of the major factors that influence, you know, when you go out to eat what you're going to eat? Is it quality? Is it how fast you're going to get the food? Is it price? Is it atmosphere? Is it how much time you have? So what are some of the things uh, that y'all look at? Well, I feel like I've said this before. But you have told me this before. But, I mean, you have a scale. My wife and I have a, a metric system, if you would. Price, atmosphere, variety, quality, and taste. On a scale of one to five. That's what I would look at. It depends on what I'm in the mood for. Tonight, it's not price. It's not atmosphere. It's quality and taste. Quality and taste. Yeah. Not variety. Okay. It's quality and taste. Quality and taste. And so, just on a, a regular night, if you were back home, what's the most important factor? Here's the thing. If I'm at home, and it's our son's bath time, and he's gone to bed, and we only have 30 minutes to scarf something down, and I want to get in bed by a certain time, but I want something that I know is good and comfortable, then it's going to be something like convenience and quality of what I want. But if I don't, if I got plenty of time and it's a Sunday afternoon and I'm just hanging out and I'm flexible, 
Does matter. So that's not a straight answer, is what I'm saying. I got you. It depends. I got you. So we have somebody who uh, dabbles in culinary science every now and then. As somebody who's, uh, you know, cooks and is somewhat of an expert, what are some of the things that are important to you? When I'm going out for food? Yes, when you're going out for food. Well, I didn't know if you meant when I'm cooking. Well, I'm but, okay. It's a great question. I think when, when going out for food, honestly, for me, when we're going to a restaurant we've never been to before, I look at the dessert menu. Even if we're not going to get dessert, I just want to know that they're uh, creative enough to make a dessert that I would want to eat. We did. So that's important and uh, good variety because you never know what you're going to feel like eating until you get there. You don't want to make a decision. Do you have a favorite dessert? I have a preference to be honest with you right now. I've got a real soft spot for tiramisu. I'll show up for tiramisu pretty much on any occasion. You know, tiramisu, I I personally don't like sweets, but a good tiramisu will get the job done. Right? It woos the masses. Have you ever made a tiramisu? I have. I have. How, How did it work out? You know, what I liked about the tiramisu I made is that it is a non-egg-based tiramisu. Some people are a little freaked out to eat raw egg, and I respect that. So it's a cream cheese-based tiramisu, and it turned out real good in my opinion. I think when you add a little bit of extra rum, it goes a long way. Give us some context, though, since you are a pastry chef, effectively. That's sweet of you to say. Well, it is sweet of me to say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I don't know if you noticed what you said or if I noticed it, but... We'll say it was planned. Okay. Um... Would you say, you said your tiramisu was good. Give us some context in terms of some of the things you do in terms of baking. I mean, do you make muffins once a year? Do you make homemade cakes? Do you bring things into your colleagues? Do you sell things? Do you design? Do you have books? I mean, do, do you, have you ever made a rum cake? I have, actually. I'm a gardener. <laughs> I am, and in my dreams, I'm a gardener, and I'm living in her kitchen. I don't need the rest of the house, just the kitchen. Do you have sifters and... You know, multiple types of flour. And it's oh, embarrassing oh, the oh, amount oh, of accoutrement you can you can justify accumulating. I can't even spell accoutrement. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either, but like, I like how it sounds. Yeah. But I, I have a lot of baking things. My husband says it's too much, but I feel like everything has its justifiable place. It's even like a pot of ivy, you would say. I wouldn't go there. Okay. So, for those of us who are on the more indecisive end, and we like lots of options... How would we go about deciding what we wanted in a place that we haven't been to a lot? I'm actually giving this a lot of thought. I was thinking about what are my rules for eating out. I love eating out. I'm like a self-proclaimed foodie. My number one rule... (laughs) Thank you. My number one rule is if I'm eating out, can I make it better myself? And that's a newer rule. And I'm not a, I'm not a baker, chef, extraordinaire, but I, I know my way around the kitchen. But the thing is, is if I can make it a better version of myself, why am I going to pay to eat it out? So it has to be something special or unique. So my friend, the professor, would like some fried chicken tonight. That's not something I personally make at home, so that's something I would always go out for if that's what I was craving. But... I love Italian food. My family has really made a good Italian food. Sometimes I'm like, I'd rather make it than go out. So that is often a determining factor. So everybody here, I mean, knows how to cook. And by cook, I mean boil an egg. We know how to stay alive. Yeah, stay alive. But, you know, what's your go-to meal? Like if somebody was coming over and you said, you know what, this is what I can do. This is my wheelhouse. This is what I specialize in. What would it be? Me personally, it's breakfast. Like I think I do a, I do do a good breakfast. 
you know, as far as some eggs, some bacon, some toast, some fruit, some mimosas, you know, throw some cheese if you want an omelet, you know, if you want to get some, you get some French toast in there. I think that's my wheelhouse where I could do. Now, also, I do a mean grilled cheese. So, you know, a grilled cheese, you want it there? I could get down with that too. Question for you. How do you cook your bacon? I cook my bacon in the oven. I'm oh, um, broil. There we go. And I flip broil, broil, and I flip it. Okay, so I cook my bacon in the oven, but I put it in when it's cold. I turn it to 400. I usually set a timer, but then I forget about it and I just smell it. I don't flip it or anything. And then I just take it out, usually 15, 18 minutes later, but I put it in when the oven is cold and then I turn it up. What is your objective with the bacon? Besides it being cooked, how do you want it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Now, bacon, there are levels of bacon. Some people like it crispy. I don't want my kitchen all oiled all over the place, right? That's why I started with the oven. I don't use a rack or foil. I I, I have a pan. A pan, put some foil in it. Okay. You don't even put foil on it? I do, but some people put um, one of those racks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do that. I just put it in the foil. I like it crisp, moderately crispy. I like a little crunch, but I like it also to have some chewiness. I don't want to break my teeth. I love bacon very crunchy. And so we actually use an air fryer. and put oh. just a little bit of oil in there, and it comes out crunchalocious. Okay, but <laughs> important question. Does everything you make in there for a while after that smell like bacon and taste like bacon? No. No, no? because we rinse it out immediately. It's such a strong smell, you know? It is. And you're able to put some um, like foil around it where it's not going to... You can take it out, so it makes it easier for cleaning. Kind of like a crock pot. Yeah. Back to this broiled bacon. How long does this take? Uh, this takes... Um, I broil it on high, and so it probably takes around 10 to 12 minutes. That's a but you got you got to make sure to flip it because the heat is coming right on it. And if, if, if you forget about it, game over. Your bacon's gone. We have that happen. I think it's happened to the best of us. I'll admit, we're real old school about cooking bacon. We have a giant 12-inch iron skillet, and we spend the time and the love because we also collect the bacon fat. And we keep that in the fridge to cook vegetables and other stuff in down the road. So it's For flavor. For flavor, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Throw a little bit of bacon fat and make some eggs. Oh, dang. All right, so meals. What's, 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 I mean, what's, what's... Anybody got, like, a specialty? that like They said, let's do this. I'm probably the least equipped here to sneak on that front. But I'm happy to, and that's simply because I just don't prepare as many meals as I my wife does. I think um, you well, thank you. Um, I don't know what that is, but here's a couple things I will kind of throw out there. I think I'm a pretty good rice maker, and I know there's other rice fanatics in the room. Um, <laughs> hey, right here, right here. Um, high five, I, high five. I, you know, here's how I make my rice. I buy uh, paraboiled rice. When I call it paraboiled, I'm not sure. Um, I usually use a cup of rice to two cups of water. I add a little bit of uh, garlic. Garlic cloves, onion, a little bit of olive oil, some salt, a little bit of pepper. Um, and then I put it in a rice cooker or pan, a little uh, stove top pan, and I'll let it cook for 20 25 minutes. And then it comes out deliciousness in your belly. Now, I use white rice. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of uh, brown rice, though I understand why someone would do that. Um, outside of the rice, I'd probably make some thin carne asada. Uh, marinate it nice and slow, let the juices get there, get some oh, plantains, yeah. turn them over a couple times, get some avocado, some thinly sliced potatoes, cook them in the meat sauce, okay? Present it to you in a plate with some avocado on top, and then make a Colombian arepa, which is a corn-based uh, kind of uh, cheesy patty, uh, and you put it in the middle for deliciousness in your belly. 
that's yeah. probably one of my first. I could keep going. Uh, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. You guys make a mean guacamole at well, your house. I do like to make guacamole. Um, and I would, I would also say if you came to my house, I might make peach uh, or mango tacos, chicken mango tacos. And so there's a guacamole mango mix that we make with tomatoes and onions um, and avocado. And we mix it with some nice seasoning on the chicken and some flour, corn tortillas, and of course some rice and a nice black bean salad. That'd be very good. I'm kind of amazed my husband doesn't live at your house because you just named like five of his six food groups. We do spend a lot of time together. He and yeah. I. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It explains a lot. He's not in Germany. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. So, um, for the the cooking expert of the group, uh, baking perhaps, but not cooking. Not necessarily. Okay. Because I, I mean, professor over here was like, oh, I don't know how I would answer this question, and then proceeded to name it like a five-course meal. So, you yes, know, I'm feeling a little bit intimidated. Nonsense. But I, I will say we do have kind of a go-to thing when we're having people over for the first time. But you have a terrific blue apron that you wear when you cook, you know? No, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and we just don't exactly know what people's tastes are, but we're just doing something that we think everyone will enjoy, which is roasted vegetables. Mm. It's colorful. It's tasty. Put some seasoning on there. Super healthy. Flexible. Yeah, exactly. Um, pork tenderloin. Oh. oh. Marinated pork That's tenderloin. A good one. Yeah. It's a good one, but so it's, a ris- it's a risky one. Well, I, mean, I would ask in advance, like, do well, you have any dietary restrictions? No, it's not risky like, because of dietary. Risky because it's tough to get it juicy. Oh no, 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 no! You tent that, you tent that baby with aluminum foil, and you have no problem with the amount of juice. Because every time I'm see, like at a restaurant, my wife won't order pork tenderloin always because she's afraid that's gonna be overcooked and it's gonna be dried out. But she loves it. Yeah, I'm married. Okay. Well, we had no idea. Yeah. But um, that and some saffron rice. Ah. And uh, that usually seals the deal. Now, so. is it rice with saffron or yeah. is it saffron rice? Like you sell, they sell it as saffron rice? Yes, it is sold as saffron rice. Oh. No, no, no. All right. And it's delicious. And, and the final? I mean, I've got a few go-tos depending on the crowd. I will always say I make mean cheese into pasta plate. I like to have a little spread of beverages, but for food, we've got like a set of our top five hits probably, a pork loin with roasted veggies and potatoes. We've got um, like a thin sirloin steak with chimichurri sauce. Oh, I love that chimichurri sauce. We've got newly a chicken wing, a smoked chicken wing recipe for more casual evenings. Barbecue pork, that can be barbecue pork sandwiches, barbecue pork tacos. Um, and then we've usually got like a rotating pasta in there. It depends though, what time of year is it? What's the weather out? We gotta know about the pasta. You can throw out pasta. Like a red sauce, a green sauce? It depends, it depends. Springtime, primavera, I've made homemade pesto, oh, yeah. depending on the basil situation in the, in the year. Yeah. Good stuff. So, um, what about you? I said, I said breakfast. breakfast. Okay. I mean, we, we, we got sidetracked on bacon and everything else. Um, but uh, so, you know, we have some newcomers. Uh, and so I will ask uh, the chef um, the song. We, we need to go into songs. So as somebody who is actually part of a cappella group, who, you know, is really into music. I know your wheelhouse, but I just want to see what, what, what should we play on this podcast? Oh, that's too much pressure. No, you got to answer though. Oh, jeez. 
on this podcast, like, but I need to know what kind of feeling are we going for. Whatever you want to hear. I mean, you know, you and I. Oh, okay, okay. There we go, there we go, there we go. This makes sense now. Something I love to cook to, and also is very timely because we're in New Orleans, is Louis Armstrong's cover of La Vie en Rose. All right, there we go. Here we go. You get a nice trumpet so Thank you for joining me for another episode of Lessons I Learned. I want to thank all my guests who took the time to join the podcast while in New Orleans. Um, headed to Chicago, and then we'll see if we can find some more people to chat with about the lessons we learned. Until the next time, sip slow, whatever you drink. Carpe diem. Cheers.